Now we come to the reading of the Lord's Word, and uh, we have been working our way through the book of 1 John. And so uh, as Nick comes forward, I shall be reading from 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 to chapter 3, verse 18. And this is entitled, God's Children and Sin. Let's read the Lord's Word. And now, dear children... Continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so it might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is righteous is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know the children of God, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So we're in the book of 1 John. 1 John's all about how we know. So that's about assurance. This is how we know. 
You'll find that phrase a number of times through, and I encourage you to go and read the book. Um, and John says a lot of the time, this is, and then this is how we know. He's giving us, he's giving us assurance. He's giving us um, some tests for understanding the Christian life. And, and I want to give you, a, uh, I want to take a quick kind of um, stock take. Because 1 John's one of those books that seems to go round and round in circles. Um, with do, doing all, um, giving John all necessary credit, um, he, he kind of, um, he doesn't go in nice straight lines. He kind of goes in circles and he, and he lays ideas next to each other and it expects you to make the connections. So on the back of the sermon notes, uh, I've given you an outline of one John. I can see there's a handful over there, there's a handful over there. Um, I'm afraid it has taken me to week three to understand what the outline is. Um, so sorry you couldn't have that up front, but it is quite a difficult book to get to, get to grips with. But where we've been is this. We've been looking at true theology and false claims. That's where John starts. Um, the true theology is this. Jesus is God the Son come in human flesh, John says, and that underpins everything else. And he says God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. And those two things underpin all the rest that, that is to come. And the false claims of his opponents are that Jesus wasn't God come in the flesh. He was just an ordinary human being and something divine landed on him at his baptism and probably disappeared um, at, his, at his crucifixion. And so his, um, his, John's opponents, the people who'd left the church and set up down the road, are saying that sin doesn't matter. Or they're saying, I actually, I haven't sinned. And we saw the true resolution. How do we resolve the fact that God is light and, and we are people who, who have sinned, who have done wrong, who have walked in darkness one way or the other? How do we resolve that? And John gave us the answer to that right in, in, in the beginning of the book or beginning of chapter 2. Um, he says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the heart of the Christian message, isn't it? That Jesus going to the cross is an atoning sacrifice for sin. How can people who walk in darkness um, get to know uh, a God who is light and in whom there is no darkness at all only by trusting in Jesus as he dies on the cross to take all the punishment for all their deeds of darkness upon himself? But then we've been getting into these three tests of what is a true Christian. Um, and, and the first time we, see, we saw those tests last time was in chapter 2, um, and they, uh, they were these three tests. If somebody's really a Christian, they'll do what Jesus did. So you can test a Christian by their obedience. If somebody's really a Christian, they will love their brothers and sisters in Christ. You can tell if somebody's a Christian by whether they turn up. Um, and you can tell if somebody's a Christian whether they acknowledge that Jesus is God the Son come into the flesh, and they say, yes, that really happened. Those are the three tests John gives of, of, of a true Christian. And we, went, uh, we only looked at one of them really, which was the love test, but they were all there in chapter 2. We focused on love. And, and now we're into a passage in the book where all those three tests come again. John's having a second bite at the cherry. Um, and uh, there's an obedience test, there's a love test. Actually, we read both of those today. I don't know whether you noticed. Uh, probably hard to take in when it's just coming up on the screen. Um, and this time we're going to focus on the obedience bit. Um, and then we'll have another sermon. Uh, we'll look at this same uh, chunk, but we'll focus on the incarnation bit. Uh, believing that Jesus is God the Son come in the flesh. And then John has a third go. 
um, are these three tests and he brings them all together. We'll look at that. And then he uh, has some final bits to say at the end and some final words of assurance. So that's where we're going and that's where 1 John fits. But let's pray uh, before we just have a little uh, look at today's passage. Father God, we, we thank you that you caused John to write this. And he says, this is, and this is how we know. Uh, and Lord, we want to know how we know. We want to know how we know who is really a Christian. We want to know how to be a Christian. We want to know how to grow as a Christian. We want to know all these things. We simply ask you, Father God, come then by your spirit and write these truths on our heart this morning. Because we know we don't understand. We don't understand anything unless you open the eyes of our hearts. Please do that for us this morning, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to move fairly quickly uh, because we're uh, short on time, uh, but here we go. How do we grow in the Christian life? How do you think somebody grows uh, as a Christian? Is it just simply must try harder? Sometimes you'd come away from from hearing people uh, preach and come away with the feeling, I just must, must try harder. Reading off the wrong thing. But I don't think guilt is an adequate or appropriate motive in the Christian life. I don't think the Christian message is designed to, uh, to, to make you feel guilty and move you to try harder out of guilt. It's not that effort is not needed in the Christian life, but I suggest it needs to come from a different place other than guilt. And I think we can take away from today's passage a different message. We're just going to focus on, the, on half of it. And that is must see clearer. You must see clearer before you try harder. And there are three things I want you to see. I want you to see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? We'll, we'll look at that in more detail in a moment. I want you to see forward to what we will be and what will happen um, when Jesus returns. And I want you to see backward to what Jesus was trying to achieve, what Jesus did achieve um, on the cross. Three things to see, and when you see clearer, um, then you can go away uh, and try harder, because, you'll be tr- because you will do it out of a different, uh, out of a different motive, Um, drawing on a different strength. And Paul, uh, but sorry, John starts with this. We're going to pick up really at uh, the beginning of chapter 3. So that's 1226 if you want your Bibles open before you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. John doesn't expand on that does it? He, he, could have, he could have stopped here um, uh, and preached another sermon on, on the love of God for us. But you have to go somewhere else for that in the Bible. He just, he just stops for a moment um, and he marvels. We are genuinely children of God. So I could stop and preach another sermon here on, on being children of God uh, and being born again. Uh, but that is not the point. What John wants you to do, he's, he wants you to see. He wants you to see this really clearly. So you have to learn, uh, as part of your Christian growth, to see this for yourself. 
and learn to keep seeing it um, for yourself. So where are you going to go? Where are you going to go for a good look um, at this truth that you, if you're a Christian, if you trusted Christ, if you've been born again, you are a child of God. Well, there's an obvious place, isn't it, in the scripture, but you could, uh, you could do worse than to get hold of this verse um, that is in front of you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. You could do worse than to memorize and meditate on that verse in itself. We've discovered as, as a church, at least those who've had a go, have discovered the power uh, of memorizing um, scripture, and ironically, that is how you see. One of the ways to see clearly um, is to memorize scripture, get it in your heart, get it, get it inside you. So you can, me- and then you can meditate on it uh, day or night, and in the bath and on the tube, or whatever. And you can think through these words one at a time and mull them over. What great love! What huge love! What magnificent love! The Father. The, the creator, the God who made all that tiny detail on all that massive universe, has lavished on us, has poured out, has been generous with, um, uh, has wished you the best with, that you personally, in reality, should be called, known as, a child Of God, a child of God, God's own offspring. Of course, you can look further in the Bible, you can go to the cross, then you will see what kind of love is God's love. It's a self sacrificial, son giving love for you. You could go back to John's Gospel, actually, that's probably why he doesn't write this again. Um, here and go off in another sermon. He doesn't need to. He's written, he's written a gospel um, for that. You can go back and read the Gospel of John. We've got some little copies if you like. Um, but it's important. This seeing is important. And we could spend time doing it this morning, but more important that you find a way to see um, for yourself. You may think that feels like a a chore getting into the bum, or somehow you've got to get over that. Somehow you've got to get over that. Why would you not look at something which tells you that, that you're a child of God? The Bible is, is not a chore. You've got to get to this point of the, of the, psalm, the psalm writer who's, who says, it's, it, the Lord is my delight. It, it's better than riches. Um, it, it leads me into an experience of being a, in a child of God. A child of God. Bible's not a chore. It's a, it's a store uh, of rich and sweet things. And it tells you this, tells you you're a child of God if you've been uh, born again. And Paul talks about adoption. So you've been adopted into God's family. You're a child by adoption, but you're not just a child by adoption. You're a child by birth. You're a child by spiritual birth. When you look at the cross, becoming a Christian, you look, you recognize at some point that you are not right with God in and of yourself. 
That, that point has to come. Uh, we talked about that in previous weeks. You have to recognize that, that God is light and God is real um, and that you are not. That he demands your whole heart in worship and, and that you have not um, given it. And you have to recognize your need of a savior. And then you look to Jesus and you see in Jesus there is God. There is the face of God. Jesus is God the Son come in human form. And then you look to the cross and you see that Jesus, the God-man, Jesus who is God and man, lays his life down, allows himself to be killed as a punishment um, for all the things that you've done wrong. And then you say, Lord, I'm sorry. And then you say, Lord, I trust that what he did then, he did for me. And what happens then is that you are born in a new kind of way. The Lord gives you, when you do that, new spiritual life. Gives you a new spirit within you. You've been born again. You've become a a child of God in a very real way. And he gives you then his Holy Spirit to be with you and to be in you. If you're a Christian, you are a child of God. Not just by adoption, but by new um, spiritual birth. Jesus said it, didn't he, to Nicodemus, who was a, uh, a Jewish leader who came to see him in the, at night time. And he said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And actually, as we read through this passage, um, John says that God's seed um, remains in you. God's sperma is the word. It literally means seed. It's the, it's the word for, uh, standard word for seed in, in Greek. If you're a Christian, God's seed, um, God's, uh, God's spirit remains in you. You've been united to God in, in, in reality. You, he, he is with you and in you. Connected by his, by his Holy Spirit. So you have a new nature given to you uh, by God, by the Holy Spirit. So you need to see, the first thing you need to do is to see what great love you have been loved with. And Paul prays for the Ephesians that that they have power, together with all all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that they may be filled with all the measure of the fullness of God. So that means being like Jesus. Filled to all the measure of, of the fullness of God. But you can't have that without, being, without knowing how much you are loved. It is a prerequisite, I think, to all Christian growth and on all Christian holiness. Otherwise, Christian life uh, proceeds uh, by false and wrong motives. You need to look. You need to look and see um, how much you've been loved. Oh, gosh. I'm going to need to be quick. Uh, we're going to see... Uh, so that's the first thing. See, what, see how much you're loved. And then you need to see forward and see what will happen when Jesus returns. And John says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So now we're children of God. And John says, we don't know what we will become. Exactly. 
That's interesting. He's an apostle. He's the one who's been revealed. He's been the one who's assigned to teachers by Jesus, but he doesn't know precisely what will become. Some things are, are not yet revealed to us. But we do know that Jesus will appear. Jesus will return. Jesus will be seen again on earth. We shall see him as he is, the risen Christ, and we shall be like him. Okay, Jesus will return. Uh, and according to John, this is a fairly simple pattern of events. He'll return, we'll see him, we will be made like him. Somehow, the, the seeing and the being made like him are, are joined. Somehow, seeing him as he is, John says, will be the final part of our transformation into as he is. Jesus, uh, Jesus is already glorified with a resurrection body, when we see him, we will be glorified and have a resurrection body too. But this principle is already at work, even today. Um, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says that we who contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When you look at Christ, When you consider Christ, when you contemplate Christ, you get changed to be more like Christ by the Holy Spirit. So I think there is a general general principle that you become what you look at. That was that verse. You become what you look at. So I just ask you simply, what what are you captivated by? What captivates your eyes most of the day? What do you spend most time on? Um, Because you, you become what you are captivated by, you become what you look at. Moving on. So you see what love the Father has for you. Uh, You see what is going to happen in the future. You'll you'll be transformed by the very sight of Jesus. Uh, We look back and we see what Jesus came to do. He appeared um, to take away sin. That's what John says. And John says, all sin is law-breaking. All sin is lawlessness. Um, we, we tend to think, our culture thinks that sin is a kind of sickness. You know, I, I was kind of brought up wrongly and therefore I can't live rightly. It's kind of therapeutic culture. Or sin is a kind of falling short um, that can be explained away or, or swept under the carpet. And John says, no, this is what sin is. It's an active rebellion against God um, and his standards. Or alternatively, our culture thinks that, that sin or wickedness is adult. If, if, if you want to be innocent, you're just a child. Um, uh, wickedness is cool. Um, I saw this, quite surprised to see it on the BBC website. Um, uh, an article which said, are the villains of the Disney universe the real heroes we need? Yeah, you can go and search it up. Are, are, the, are the villains of the D- Disney universe the real heroes we need? Well, gosh... Go and look it up. Jesus appeared, as we said a moment ago, and died to take away sin. Required his active obedience at all moments, at every point, so that he could be a spotless sacrifice laid down. He was a perfect man. John says in him there was no sin. So if you're a Christian, why would you choose to recreate the sins he's taken away? If he's taken stuff away and forgiven you for all that you've done wrong, why would you, why would you then go 
um, and try and redo the things that he's forgiven you for. Is there not a motive there? Looking back to the cross to say he's, he's forgiven me, then, then actually let me not add more to the weight of things he has to forgive me for. Why would we choose to deliberately choose to be not like Jesus when Jesus has died for us? It leads John to a very simple conclusion that no one who lives in Christ keeps on sinning. Doesn't mean they become perfect, but it does mean that there is there is in the Christian life, anybody's genuinely a Christian, then there is a pattern of of, of constant movement um, of going forward. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. They're always um, I don't know whether this is true, but I read once in a in a novel that kind of um, if sharks stop moving, they die. Has anybody come across that? Is this true? Um, sharks have to swim um, to get oxygen uh, through their gills, otherwise they drown uh, and they die. And uh, you, have, you have the life of God living within you. You can't go on doing the same thing. You have to keep, you have to keep growing. My, my only, um, the only people to whom that doesn't apply are for those who are getting more and more elderly. Because to be elderly is to do the same things with lesser resources. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate there comes a point in life where to do the same, to do the same things um, but with lesser resources is growth. But John has a second conclusion. No one who continues uh, to sin has seen him or known him. It's just really clear, isn't it? If you continue to sin, then you're just giving evidence that haven't really seen Jesus clearly. But Jesus came to do a second thing, and the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And the devil wanted to just break, break this relationship between human beings and their creator. Came in the Garden of Evil, Garden of Evil, Garden of Eden, um, to, to entice a rebellion. And that's what he still does. He came to, to bring people under God's judgment and so that they experience pain and death, and he still does. And he comes to seduce people in, into untruth. That's what he came to do in the Garden of Eden. That's what he still does. So why, if Jesus came to destroy those things, would he want to collude with the enemy? He, comes to, he came to break your relationship uh, with God. He came, comes to break humanity's relationship with the Lord. Jesus came to destroy that, um, to fix your relationship with the Creator. Why then would any Christian want to do something evil? Because is that not just to recreate what Jesus came to destroy? Do you see what I mean? No one born of God continues to sin. John says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. How do we detect true Christianity? Those who not only acknowledge Christ as God the Son come in the flesh, but those who do what's right. And those who love their fellow Christians. Going to completely plas on the blank slide. That was really good, wasn't it? I planned in a blank slide so we could move quickly on. I didn't, I didn't but it's useful. 
got three options, I think. You, you've read, there's some really straightforward stuff here, isn't there? Um, Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to be your sacrifice for sins. Um, but if that's you, if you're born of God, you won't go on sinning. You will change. And at the end, where was it? This is how we know the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister in Christ. It's a very simple test. Three choices uh, for you to respond. You can ignore. I said this morning, just say, hey, I don't really listen to preaching. Um, uh, this, you, you tell me this is God's word, but I'm not really listening. I can't do anything about that, um, but... Um, the Lord said to Ezekiel, um, he said, to them you're nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words but don't put them into practice. If you listen to preaching like listening to the radio, it's just background noise that you have to suffer until you get out the other side. I can't do anything about that. Um, that's your choice, but I hope that's not how you come to preaching. We can pretend. We can assume that what we, that what we read... Um, it is something that we're already doing. I think we're quite good at that as Christians. I think we kind of think, oh yeah, that's, that's very nice. Um, anybody who's born of God doesn't go on sinning. Well, how lovely, how sweet. Well, I think that's a form of pretense. Our faith has to get beyond the realm of ideas. And it has to get into the realm of actions. And, and we I haven't had a chance to go, we can't go back to this this morning, we need, need to move on. But John says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions um, and in truth. Staines Kong is a great place of friendly people. Um, and, and warm fellowship. But we have to move on. It has to be more than that. It has to be a place where we love in, with uh, actions and, and in truth. Or you can see and repent. Old biblical word, isn't it? Meaning to be sorry and to change your mind and to, to go in the other direction. I think, and I guess I'm extrapolating now from my own experience, so yours may, yours may be different, um, but I think we, we, draw, we draw some boundary lines um, for our involvement with other people. And we draw a line that says, that, that far... That far and no more. So this line might be, my home group, I get to know them really well, but those other people at the other side of church who look a little bit weird, well, just, just, just pretend they don't exist. Or it might be, on the other hand, yeah, I, I, I love these people, you know, in a kind of fellowshipy, Bible study kind of way, um, 
But actually, that's, that's Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. And maybe if they ring me in the week, I'll be nice to them. But actually, beyond that, that's asking a bit too much. So it might be a time thing. Or it might be, yeah, I'll, I'll love these people, but actually, um, it's never crossed my mind that there might be short, there might be somebody short of money in the church, and I might be the person who could give, give something to them. We, we draw little lines, I think. Um, we just say this far and, and, and no more. Um, go and ask God what your, line, what your lines are. Um, and see if in the, in the challenge of this book they, they, need, to, they need to change. Oh, that's the last red word. There you are, guys. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the involvement line? And what I want you to think about is I want you to see. I want, to, I want you to see some things. I want you to see um, that you are a child of God. And these other people are children of God too. And that he loves you and how much he loves you. What are the implications of that for how you're going to treat these others? I want you to see what Jesus is going to do. You're going to see him face to face and it will transform you. And in seeing that, maybe think about seeing him more clearly day by day. I want you to see the cross. Um, See that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to um, take away uh, the the penalty uh, of your lawlessness. And think, how can I then be lawless going forward? How can I then recreate the devil's work? I want you to see and I want you to change. And maybe the place you need to change is in, is, is in how much we're involved with one another in the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son, Jesus. That he would take on human flesh from, from birth till death to resurrection. And even now he... He is human in his resurrection body by your side. And we're looking forward to the day we'll have one of those too. But Lord, how can we say we're looking forward to that and and yet not be transforming into that now? Lord, we ask for your help to grow. Not just mentally grow, but to grow in actions. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.